What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. I'm here with my good friend, Chris DeMarkey from Monster Media Racing founder of Junk Jam, and recently completed the Race Across America, set some records in the eight-man open category on Team Beamer, and set the new land speed record for a 24.91 miles per hour average, which is just bonkers. And then the overall time across the U.S., five days, three hours, 42 minutes. And, uh, just, I've been wanting to talk to Chris for a long time, but hearing this accomplishment and hearing it come down to, you know, just the two minutes of this record being set or not was just fascinating. And so with that, Chris, hello, welcome. Thanks for making the time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is a great opportunity to share the experience with um, all your listeners. Cool. So you rode across the country, man. Take me through that. How did that come down? How did you train for it? And, and take me through, you know, ultimately how the record was broken. All right. Uh, well, this is, uh, my fourth time doing race across America. Um, I've, uh, won the two man, I mean, I'm sorry, the four man two other times. Um, and this year we decided we were really going to go after the coup de gras records that Ram offers. Um, and one of those records is the land speed record. And the other one is the, uh, time, you know, total time across the country. Um, what people need to understand is a land speed record, um, is the most important because every year, even though it's the same course, it does change from time to time based on construction, weather systems, fires, uh, natural disasters of any sort, and, uh, you know, closures of roads and openings of roads. Um, so, uh, when you look at the overall time across the country, um, that course has changed over, you know, 30 years. Um, although it, remains to be the same route it 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 does have some changes and i'll I'll go into that in a bit but uh this was an eight-man team um it was all monster media racing uh we put we pulled eight guys from across the country um from our chapters uh all over and took what we felt was the best guys to do it um strong good attitudes um, can gel with others. Well, it really does take a special kind of writer and also crew member to make sure that everything's gelling because the sleep deprivation kicks in at day three and, uh, you know, every, any, any little thing all of a sudden becomes 10 times worse when you're not sleeping. Um, and so that was important to us. And we put together a big hit squad of, um, what I feel is great friends of mine and strong riders with strong attitudes. Um, and we left Oceanside, uh, middle of June and in five days, three hours and 42 minutes, we arrived in Annapolis, Maryland, setting 
what was the uh, distance there, Chris? What was the, I know the U S varies how you measure it, but what was your actual distance? The, the actual distance was 3,067 miles and roughly 170,000 feet of climbing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when you break it down, when you really break it down with that amount of climbing and going over, you know, some big climbs, Congress and Wolf Creek Pass, uh, all the Appalachians, uh, just the constant up and down. We pretty much had to average about 28 to 29 miles an hour on the flats um, just to hold the miles an hour. The new record we set was 24.91 miles an hour across the U.S. Um, because when you get into the Appalachians and obviously the climbs, we're not going to be climbing at 25 miles an hour. So um, we just had to stay steady and, and uh, make sure that uh, any little transition, any you know, no wrong turns. I mean, we really had it dialed in this year to make sure that couldn't make it no mistakes. We, to set these records, we could have no mistakes. And that goes to the second record that we set, which was the previous record was five days, three hours and 45 minutes uh, to cross the country. And that was on a course that was a 120 mile, 121 miles less and 7,900 feet less climbing. Um, basically they made that switch about three years ago when we came out of, um, Jerome down Yarnell pass. Normally we would just head straight to Sedona and then straight up Sedona to Flagstaff. Well, um, with the summers and Sedona being such a popular place and that being just a two lane highway goes right by slide rock, it just gets backed up and there's no way, uh, it's safe to travel on. It's not a good passing road today, uh, for cyclists. Um, so they have us, they now call it officially the Arizona century. And we just basically go all the way around, um, which puts you back on the valley floor of Arizona and then you climb 8,000 feet and you add a hundred plus miles, um, into Flagstaff. Um, and it's brutal. And they, they have officially named it the Arizona century as part of Ram. Um, and it is very hard because, you know, in the Valley floors in, in June, it's going to be a hundred to 110. Um, two years ago, we experienced temperatures up to 126 and oh, it's, it, it's just one of those, you got to wrap your head around it and get through it and, uh, get in the flagstaff as quickly as possible. Plus you're at out, you know, you're back at altitude. Um, so when they added that, no one was coming anywhere near the records. Um, and so when, uh, we woke up on day four, basically with about 16 hours to go, it was kind of like, okay, um, wow, this, this might be in our grasp, but it looks like we're about 46 minutes off of it. And now we're in the Appalachians. We're just about hit, ready to hit the Appalachians. 
And so we were kind of like, okay, let's just go page by page in the book. You know, this, this page has X amount of climbing and it's 39 miles and okay, we need to do it in, you know, an hour and 44 minutes, you know, and then we did it in an hour and 40 minutes and we're like, okay, we made up four minutes. Okay. And, and literally page by page, like the last nine pages of the book. And it came down to with about uh, 14 miles, 15 miles to go. Um, we put all the guys on TT bikes. We came out of the Appalachians through Gettysburg and uh, heading into Annapolis, rolling terrain, partially downhill, flat, at times, and we put all the guys on the front. We team time trialed it for about 13 or 14 miles all the way into the finish line. Um, hit a couple stoplights on the way, and, you know, you have to stop at every light. There's You can't break any law at Ram, else you get a dock an hour or so. And we get it up back up to speed, and we were rolling at 33, 34 miles an hour. <laughs> and wow. uh, when we crossed that line, we got it by two minutes, two minutes. And that's, what's amazing to me is, you know, you're, you're almost going 3,100 miles and you're, you're rolling the entire time and two minutes could be anywhere. Right. I mean, it could, it could have been a wrong turn, could have been a stoplight, you know, could have been a guy like needs a pee break real bad, you know, like, and there was no rider to swap him out. I mean, who knows, but it's anything. It's a headwind. It's a, it's, it just like, we got it done. We got it done. Um, and so that was really cool. Cause I didn't think that that record would ever fall. Um, just cause of the length and the difficulty of the course, but, uh, it did. And, uh, I, I can't be more honored to be on the team and represent the sponsors and, um, have the friends and the crew and just, just everything. It, it just makes it just for such a, a memorable time in my life. So what was it like at the finish line when you looked down and realized what happened? What was the, the mood of the team? And then I've got just a bunch of other questions about going back up the, the level on the discussion, but what was it like when you crossed the finish line? You know, it's, it's, um, it's awesome. And, and any athlete, uh, you know, will, will know this moment. Um, you know, when you know you're, you're going to win or whether it's on a solo or an event or in a marathon or whatever that may be, or you cross the line and you did win and you get that gasp of breath, you almost lose your breath and you, you, you kind of well up a little bit and you get a little teary, you know, well, I can tell you this was eight grown men with tears in their eyes. Like we did it. You know, we did it as a team. We did it. We, I mean, as a crew with our crew, we did it. Uh, and, and look, we had 20 of us, eight, a 12 man crew and eight riders. And, and we could not have done it without all 20 people on the same page. And it's an amazing moment. We crossed that line. We all kind of fist pumped and, and all took deep breaths and, started just spinning, spinning down and we rode for about another five or six miles to a gas station just to settle our nerves because it was so, we were so elated, so emotional. 
So it was, it was a really cool moment. I think that's what it's all about is that connection. And that's, <clears throat> that just gave me chills. That's, that's really cool. I hope that everybody can experience that, whether it's like a 5k or, you know, whatever it is that they're doing, that they can experience that in their lives. That's amazing. And, yeah. And you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we're all retired pros. Um, but you know, and, and on the team we had, uh, I don't know, between the eight of us, probably, um, 20 plus national championship wins and four world championship wins in cycling alone. Um, so the experience is there and the winning is there, but I promise you this, that everybody, when we cross the line, will put that in their top three best moments in their career. It's just that good. It really is. And um, then they have a um, ceremonial finish that basically they escort you into downtown Annapolis um, by like Fisherman's Wharf and the pier area. And, uh, you know, that's another emotional time because I think we arrived at around five o'clock at night and there's tons of people down there and there's people on vacation and the huge finish line. They announce you, uh, several of us had our parents there, which was super cool and obviously emotional too, cause they get to experience it. And you cross the line and, um, you know, this year I told the guys if, if we do it and we cross the line and we break the records or the, even one record, uh, we're gonna, we're jumping in the ocean. And so we actually <laughs> all, we actually all racked our bikes, took off our helmets and we all went out to the end of the pier and, uh, jumped off the end of the pier into the ocean. In your kids, uh, in our, in our cycling kids. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It was, yeah. We, you know, we get out of the water and I felt like I was wearing a diaper with my chamois, you know, but it was awesome. It was just, yeah, just uh, another amazing experience caught on video that I'll be able to share with my friends and family and my children for the, the rest of my life. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things you mentioned when you were putting the team together was the attitude. And I'm in the middle of listening to a a book about Navy SEALs and they always talk about hell week and how it's not always the the strongest that survive. It's the guys with the best attitude. And as you were putting this team together and thinking about the attitude, what were some of the factors that you thought about that put somebody on the list or took somebody else off and not calling out anybody that didn't make it, but what were the things that you were looking at that just were like, this person's got it. Yeah. Um, so we actually, it was very cool and it's a great question you're asking Matt. Um, because we had our four guys that have done Ram together for three times. So we knew what we needed and we, we have all gelled together really nicely. And every year, the three years prior, we've had, you know, you have one or two crew people that don't gel properly or just are not into it or by day three don't, you know, can't handle driving at 25 miles an hour in a, in a moving blockade of vehicles. Um, and so picking the riders, um, we definitely wanted to use strategy in that as well to have like one experienced rider with one new rider 
um, uh, and just make it so everybody's experience was good. And the fact that we all knew the course and could tell people like in the van, if I'm riding with an inexperienced rider, Hey, this is coming up, you know, Josh Stockinger quite a bit. I'd be like, okay, this is how you want to handle this section. You can't go too hard here, but you're going to have to really go deep here because we're going to be at 9,000, 10,000, 10,500 feet for the next like 40 minutes. Okay. So, you know, and you explain that and it's really cool. Um, having, uh, said that when we started choosing riders, um, we wanted riders that had more or less an overall, your overall guy. Okay. Can occasionally win a road race, can occasionally win a crit, can occasionally win time trials, all the above. We didn't just want like a strong climber um, that can't really time trial on the flats because it's, you just find yourself in predicaments where every time you then swap out a rider, that costs you time. Um, So we wanted overall riders. So we took that into account first um, and started selecting riders. And we, you know, we had a list and then we took attitudes that was next up and most important for us. Um, and that was interesting because you're kind of like, okay, you know, here's some really strong riders. Here's 10 strong riders. Now let's look at their attitudes, you know, based on the history that we know, can they handle it? And we actually interviewed a couple guys and they'd be like, yeah, no, like I, I wouldn't be good there. Like I'm out, I'm out. Like I know, I know my limitations. Um, and, uh, so then we took that into account as well. You know, who can ride their bike 12 hours a day, you know, uh, on and off the bike, but be in your kid for 12 hours. Um, who can, uh, react to situations, um, and then forget about it. You know, you can't hold grudges and ram, you know, a crew member holds the, you know, or is marking a corner to turn and the arrows facing the other way that actually happened this year. We're supposed to make a right. They made a left, um, because they were just holding the arrow the wrong way. They knew we were supposed to make a right. They just, it was pointing the wrong way. Uh, you can't hold grudges and you can't get mad about that. You can't because it does no good. Like that's old news. We have to move forward and look forward. And so we had to look at writers that, that, uh, knew, uh, that that was the case. And then obviously, um, just experience riding in the Peloton for so many years and knowing all the guys, um, that winning attitude, just never give up winning attitude. What does it take? Never quit. Um, there are parts in Ram where you just don't know, right? You might be out there for 10 minutes on a major climb or you might be out there for 15, but then maybe we, maybe the cars get stuck by construction or something, something always happens and they let the rider through and then all of a sudden the van is a half hour behind you and you're stuck out there for 40 minutes, you know, or whatever it may be. It might only be you're stuck out there for 20 or 22 minutes, but you've been going hard, like violent efforts because you think you're only going to go for 10 or 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, (laughs) like, and whoa, that 
like <laughs> I'm going too hard right now. Uh, and you can't get in the van and be like, you know, what the F like you left me out there because nobody's doing it on purpose. It's the way the, the race unfolds, you know, it's the beauty of the beast. Basically, you just let it flow. And so we chose riders based on that. And we had rider meetings uh, ahead of time. And then we did the same thing with the crew. We brought on uh, six experienced crew members and six new ones. And the new ones that we brought on, I think our biggest difference was the ones that we brought on just weren't. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Cool. That sounds fun. We brought on people that either had um, like previous experience with like the 508, you know, or some sort of endurance event, or was connected with winning cycling, knowing what it takes. You know, I'm I meant some crew members for the first time, you know, that I just had never met before. Uh, but I knew like Patty peoples, um, you know, she's, she's done the women's tour de France several times and she's a very decorated, uh, American female cyclist. Um, and she has that whatever it takes to win. And she was on our crew and I knew just having that alone, is a bigger plus than anything because she'll work as hard as it takes to make sure she puts in her effort as a crew member to make sure we succeed as a team. And, you know, I mean, all the crew was like that. Every last person lived and died, you know, for five days together. And obviously you have preparation before and dismantle after, um, you know, the crew is, is amazing. You know, um, you know, I, I, I gave a speech last year that, or two years ago, actually, that, uh, I said, you know, it's i I'm calling it the 80, 20 rule. Uh, and I gave it to the whole Ram crowd. And I said, you know, the, the 80, 20 rule is simply this as a writer, all I have to do is ride my bike across the United States. That's all I got to do. Ride as hard as I can. I'm like 20% of the equation. That's it. And I said, the crew, they have to make sure my bike's in working order. My tires are pumped. My, I'm fed. My shower is warm. My massage is good. My bed is clean. I'm up on time. I'm fed. Like, there's just so much going into it, not to mention the navigation, the driving, the direct following, following the rules of traffic. And it just, the list goes on and on and on. I said, they're 80% of the equation. I'm only 20. I said, but I guarantee if you ask a crew member, they're going to say the opposite. Well, I'm only 20% of the crew member. I got to pump up some tires, make sure they're fed, get them to bed, wake them up, whatever. Like they're doing 80% of the work. Those riders are out there busting their balls, you know? And I said, and that's the beauty that makes endurance sports and Ram and this team effort so amazing is because when it comes down to it, everybody's working as hard as they can to get it done. Well, and, and that opens up a whole other topic is that I'm hearing what is just a, a very cool mindset with your team is that there's a lot of humility there and nobody thinks that they're better than the team and they're putting others ahead of their own needs, whether they're on the bike 
or on the crew. And that's, that's really what team is all about. In, oh, in sure. And, you know, and it was fun and we made friendly competitions out there. You know, uh, we all had our computers and we all downloaded our rides and we all, you know, shared them with each other and we'd all give each other like, Hey, while you were out there teaching across Kansas, I was sitting here in the van watching the miles per hour. I was definitely going faster than you. And you just give people a little crap, you know? (laughs) And so you try to make it fun uh, and just have a good time with it. Um, And then, you know, at the end, we all uh, uploaded all of our stuff and, you know, and you add it up and I'll be off on my numbers or whatever. But, you know, whatever the number is, you know, I did, uh, you know, 530 miles and 22,000 feet of climbing. And, you know, my average speed was this, you know, but you really, you can't look at that overall because we tried to, you know, in some cases put riders in different areas, you know, like, uh, Craig and Phil are great descenders and we'll just let it all hang out. So we'll let them, take the, you know, a big descent and that descent might be 50 minutes. It might be a long descent coming out of the mountains in Colorado or something, or, or, you know, coming out of Flagstaff or, you know, whatever. And then obviously we have guys that are good climbers and good time trialers. You know, I think Carl, because we wanted to put him on a lot of just powerful flat, you know, just lay it out. You're a big dude and you can hold big speeds. You know, I think he had the most miles, you know, because of that, he didn't do a lot of just hill climbs. Um, so it's fun. And we had a really good time with it and we joke around and, um, look, and in the end, we only do that because we all know we are all putting in just violent efforts every time we're on the bike. I mean, you could tell too, when your shift was up after 12 hours, you know, you, you were just like, Whoa, like, um, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done for the day. I can't do another one. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And some days, uh, some days you would have, uh, only 12 to 16, you know, 12 to 14 pulls, you know, but big, hard efforts. And then other days, um, you might have as many as 20 because on the climbs, we might only do five to seven minute efforts going just flat out, you know, as hard as you can go, but you only got to go for five to seven minutes, you know? So it, uh, it, it's the way to, you know, and you know, some guys were, you know, I did a group ride last night, the Wednesday group ride, and we do uh, laps around the lake, Lake Benelli out here in San Dimas. And, uh, you know, if you're going really, really hard, it's about a 15 minute effort to 18 minute effort around the lake. Um, so guys are like, well, how did you, you know, what did you do? And I said, okay, look, if I, if there's three of us or four of us and I said, okay, I need you to do eight laps around the lake. I go, your, your speed is going to be, you know, whatever, let's just call it 20 miles an hour because you're going to have to pace yourself to do eight laps around the lake. I said, but if there's four of us and I know I just have to do one lap, and then I get a 45 minute rest and I get to do another lap and then I'm done. 
and let's see what our time is. I said, how much faster are you going to go if you know you just have to do 15 minutes and then you get to rest for 45 and then you just have to do 15. I go, not only are you going to go faster around the loop, but when you're coming up on the finish line, you're going to be sprinting it out. You're going to be going full tilt to get to the next rider to pass the baton, you know? And they're like, oh, right, we get it, you know? And I said, we operate in the same format that you would a four by 100 relay as fast as you can run that mile. And, you know, people start to understand it. That's mm-hmm. the fastest way to get across the country. Well, I keep a notepad when I do these podcasts and I've got this note, you know, you wrote down or you mentioned attitude and I wrote that down and I drew like an arrow to mental toughness. And one of the things I've been working on is, you know, being optimistic and looking at stoicism. And I think mental toughness, I think it is perceived the wrong way. And really it's how you handle adversity is what makes you tough. It's not that you're angry or or mean, or, you know, you might have those emotions, but you, you touched upon this many times. It's how you handle things going wrong that you just deal with it. And that's what makes you mentally tough. And it's more, I guess, handling those problems in a calm manner than, you know, getting pissed off and, you know, yelling at the the crew member that yeah. had the sign point in the wrong way. That's what makes you mentally tough because you focus on the end result and not the little bump in the road. Right. No, you're a hundred percent correct. Um, absolutely. Um, I've taken, you know, and I can look back in my career in cycling and, you know, I have nine national championships and I have five second place ones. Um, I don't look at my second place as failures. Um, but let me tell you how mentally tough I got working through that. Like, oh my gosh, like I have all these second, when am I going to get the win? What do I got to do here to get it right? To get this monkey off my back. Um, and just have that never quit. Okay. What did I learn from the last time and how am I going to better it this time? And what am I going to do? And then boom, once you get it, they just keep flowing. You know, and that mental toughness goes whether you're in 100 degree, 110 degrees, freezing cold, you know, how can you get through that moment in time with basically, you know, a happy attitude, you know, because if you can, then the mental toughness is actually easier and you just have to know what your limitations are and, and, uh, and try to push through those a little bit. So you, you just prevail in the end. And not every race for me is, is necessarily, I don't have to win to, to be elated. You know, if I lead out a teammate and they win, man, that's, that's just as good as a win for me. You know, and all that's part of the, the team, the effort, the mental toughness, um, it, it all comes together, you know, to create the perfect storm. And there's been plenty of times where we've screwed it up, you know, we've screwed it up and you just try to, to learn from that. And you, you take the good and you learn, you learn and you move forward and you take the bad and you throw it out never to be discussed again. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> short term memory, right? Right. Right. Well, and I've always known you as you know, 
very, very positive and very outgoing. And in some ways you kind of make me look like a wallflower. I mean, like, <laughs> and I'm pretty, oh, I don't know about that, <laughs> but, um, in any of these events in all your experience with Ram, have you ever cracked mentally where was it either the first one or for a few minutes on this one and you just, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I would say over my, my four times doing it, there's been probably four or five times where I've cracked. Um, one of those being I was left on the bike. I got across the train tracks and the car got stuck. You know, our lead vehicle got stuck. I had nobody with me. Um, I had half a bottle of water and no food and the train was long. I got like 45, I think it was the longest time I'd been on the bike for Ram and it was 52 minutes. Well, I didn't prepare to be on the bike for 52 minutes and 106 degrees. Um, it was, it was brutal. And I was, I was a mess. I was a mess. Um, and you know, you get in the van and, and you know, what happened? Okay. I realize it's not your fault. And, you know, the riders have to come together and say, Hey, look, skip a pool. Like, get, you know, you got to recover. Like we'll cover you that, you know, we'll cover it for you. Like just hang tight, you know? And, and you realize that people got your back and, and you get out of it. But that moment in time was, that was a bad one. Um, then one of my times that I will definitely always remember, and it's, it's a bit embarrassing too, because I cracked and I, and I lost my shit basically. You know, I, we were going through the Appalachians and, and when you're going as a team through the Appalachians, you have to time everything. Um, you want to be, you know, over the mountains, you want to be on your road bike down the mountain. You want to be, um, on your road bike. So you're ripping through the turns and then across the flats to the next mountain, you know, you, you want to be on your TT bike and, and, and guys are, you know, you're changing guys and, and everything. And well, you know, a guy flats and I take over on my TT bike to send the rest of the hill on my TT bike. Cause I know I'm going to take it over the flat. And I know that this wicked, wicked 16% grade is coming up for three miles. It's probably one of the harder climbs in all the Appalachians. And, uh, I know it's coming and I've got like three miles to it. And, uh, I radioed to the van and I said, you definitely have to have somebody at the bottom on their road bike because I'm on my TT bike and I've got a 42, uh, 25, like that's the smallest gear I've got. And if I, I, I just can't, I won't be able to climb 16%. Like there's just no way and no problem, no problem, no problem. And I was going really fast and they basically missed me. And the way that Rams rules work, you know, you have to pull off, you have to pull off five feet going through the Appalachians. Anybody that knows there's not very many places you can pull off. You can't just stop in the middle of the road. And we had an official with us and the whole deal. So no penalty, you know, you can't just break the law. And so I had to climb that thing uh, like two miles. And, um, I, I was toasted. Like I got to them and I was almost paper boying. Um, and you know, just almost fell off my bike when I got to them and, 
And then I started screaming and yelling like, you know, this is BS. Like I told you guys, you know, and they're like, I know, I know. And like, I know it's nobody's fault and they definitely don't want to leave me out there. It's, it's, it's not conducive for anybody. It's not, it doesn't help our time. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help the next writer. It's just, it's all bad all the way around, but I kind of lost my shit and was like, this is BS. Like you cannot like, and then, you know, you look back on the moment and it's all on film and you're like, okay, uh, I was kind of an asshole, but you learn from that, you know, and, and, and I won't ever do that again. You know, <laughs> right. you know, but that's, you know, to my defense, that's day five and your, you, your sleep deprivation is just, it, it's all time high and the intensity and, uh, whew, yeah, you just got to hold it together, you know, but the good thing is, is you surround yourself with your teammates and five minutes later, we're all laughing about it. It's a joke. You know, I mean, nobody's ever going to throw a punch or anything like that. It's all verbal communication, but um, that, that's about my worst cracking moment. Mo- most of it is if I'm left out there too long, the other time I cracked, I just, um, it was my last pull of the night and, uh, I was just starting to bonk and I was like, Oh gosh, guys, you got to pull me off like five minutes early because I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the wall right now. I don't think I'm going to make it. And they actually had to like escort me from my bike to the motorhome because I had the shakes so bad. I just, I just missed time to my food. You know, I, I, Oh, I don't need to eat a cliff bar. Like I'm going in for dinner in 20 minutes, you know, like I'm good. Well, I, it was just that moment where I had no, no fuel or reserves left in the tank. Wow. Yeah. And Ram will do that to you. You really got to stay on top of everything. So the tour de France is going on right now. And I'm guessing that that's probably most people's view of, uh, or exposure to a large scale race. Uh, take me through the differences between, and, and you just mentioned one that you race at night, take me through the differences between say like the tour and Ram and how logistically you actually race this race. Um, gosh, just completely different. Um, I mean, altogether different. Um, you, I mean, some things are the same, you know, I've done the longest stage race I've done is 11 days in Vietnam, uh, tour Vietnam. Um, and I've done a lot of five day, six day, four day. Um, but on those big long stage races, um, they're, they're actually, um, like I do well at them. Um, I tend to get stronger as the stage race goes on. Um, and mostly because, you know, what people don't realize, like the tour de France, you know, they're getting up, they're having breakfast. Um, you know, they are going back to their hotel, probably chilling for a little bit, maybe around 10 or 11, they start heading down to the start line. You know, race starts at, you know, between 11 and one o'clock. It depends on where and what region in France or whatever. Um, you know, the race starts and then they're racing flat out between four and five and a half hours, sometimes a little bit longer if the conditions are bad. Um, you know, and they're getting, you know, they're back to their hotel. You know, let's just call it five o'clock at night. They're back. They're showered. They get a massage. They go to dinner. And their feet up, they're they're in their bed. The rest of the, they're literally in their bed the rest of the night. You know, just chilling, watching TV, reading the paper, talking to family, whatever it is. They're off their feet, recovering for the next day. 
they get up the next day and they do the exact same thing. So there is no sleep deprivation. It's just monitoring your recovery. And if you're doing that, you'll get stronger. And I don't know if it's I get stronger during the those those type of events or just other riders get weaker and you know, the kind of and then I just feel like I'm stronger. Um, because recovery is everything, you know, and it's everything from proper massage to, you know, hydration to the, what kind of food you're eating and everything. Ram, you kind of throw it all out um, because sleep deprivation is so much of it. So three hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, six hours would be like an amazing amount of sleep. Um, uh, that's it. That's all you got. And it's like you get off your bike and you eat, you shower as quickly as possible and you get your feet up and you get your head on a pillow and you try to go to sleep because you're getting called in again pretty quickly. Um, and you know, you can't just do cat naps cause that doesn't work. You got to get some REM sleep somewhere. And what people don't understand is it's always in a moving vehicle. You're sleeping in a motor home that is constantly moving. So, you know, you put your blackout shades on your face and you put your earplugs in and you deal with the bumps and the turns and whatever else. And so you never just sleep through the night. That doesn't happen. Um, so you're trying to recover, trying to sleep and, you know, it's just a different game altogether. Um, I can tell you the food, like with Ram, uh, it's hilarious because the food that works the best for Ram, believe it or not, is like a, a cheeseburger because <laughs> it's got, and, it, and, it, and it's crack up because I'd never eat a double cheeseburger, uh, before a race. Like it just would never happen. Uh, but in Ram, it's a lower, you know, it's high endurance. Um, and you're just burning your, your, your body's an oven. So having that like perfect mixture of protein and fat and sugar and carbohydrate, like it's just, it's, it's great, man. You eat one of those, you're like, woo, I feel good. Yeah, it's like like having a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> that's my go-to. <laughs> right, right. It's like Red Bull time. Well, that's kind of what a double cheeseburger does for everybody when you're on Ram. It's, it's pretty funny. You can't eat, you eat the race food, but you mix it in because you can't eat just race food else. You'll just get gutted up. You know, you'll just get backed up. It's just not, you got to just, you got to go to the, the crappy food almost uh, to let your body just burn it. So it's really the only time I eat McDonald's every year. <laughs> yeah. And that's the key distinction is that this race is going on 24 seven, right? Day and night, right. always going. And there's no hotels, there's no stopping. And, um, so one thing I want to get clear in my head is that it's a solo ride some of the time, correct? And then it's a group effort some of the time. And that's like, it, that's how you want it. You put eight guys on TT bikes. Right. So, um, yeah, Ram and the uniqueness of Ram is you can come up with any strategy you want. If you're a four man team, you can run two guys and two guys the whole time, or you can run one at a time the whole time, or you can run all four at one time. If it's an eight man team, you can mix it up. 
Um, but still, you know, and we thought on a couple occasions of putting two guys on the road, but it really was not conducive. Like, you know, what's it going to save us and how bad is it going to hurt us later? So we only, the only time we put more than one guy on the road. So at the start, we put three guys on the road because we drilled it. Josh and I drilled it with Phil didn't do anything until we got to the base of the climb and we just drilled it for him. And then he took it up and over the climb. And that's a very unique area because the first, it's about the first 50 minutes, there's no follow vehicles allowed on the course there. They have to meet up with you later. So some people will put two guys together in case someone flats because there's zero support in this area but there's a big climb. So we decided Josh and I were going to drill it to the climb and then get in the van basically. Uh, and then have Phil take over. And that's exactly what we did. And then at the end is at the end when we put all the guys on, on TT bikes to uh, break the world record. Um, and other outside of that, it was singles the entire way going as hard as you can go. So that, that was interesting. And by the way, we did get word um, last week from Guinness Book of World Records that they are going to let us know in about four weeks time. Um, but it looks like they're going to recognize both in the Guinness Book of World Records, both records we set. Oh, that's great. Congratulations, man. So that's kind of cool. You know, knowing that your name is in there, that's, that's kind of fun. Do you get a certificate or like a medal or something? How do like, when you get a world record, is there actually a trophy or something? I don't even know. Yeah. You know what? I don't know either. I, uh, I just figured your name would get printed. <laughs> <laughs> Anything above that's like, uh, you know, icing on the cake, right? Whatever. <laughs> Another scoop of ice cream. That's great. <laughs> if they don't get you a trophy, dude, let me know. I'll go hit a thrift shop and I'll make one for you. Ah, that's great. Well, you know, uh, something nice, all the riders, uh, you know, all the riders, we got trophies and we got plaques and we got, uh, you know, some other trophies and little stuff and we're recognized more than the crew members. So all the riders, uh, this week, we all pitched in to buy all the crew members like matching acrylic trophies. So that was, that was important for us to do. Um, so that's pretty cool. They're all going to get trophies here in the next week or so. And I know you well enough. You didn't even have to say that you did that. I just, I, I know how you approach the team and in whatever context that means for you, that you would take care of the people that were taking care of you. And yeah, it was, thanks, man. yeah, it was just an obvious thing. And like, as soon as you said that, I was like, Oh, I knew he was going to do something to make sure that the people behind the scenes were appreciated. Just, yeah. Got you awesome. <laughs> And that's Ram for you in a nutshell. Um, you know, our sponsors were great. Obviously you can't do it without them. Uh, we had some factor TT bikes. We had Mossy road bikes. Uh, we had the Beamer group, um, which is a medical device, electromagnetic uh, mats that help with recovery, um, medical conditions, blood flow. Um, all the riders were using those and those were excellent. And the Pablo Foundation, which is a childhood cancer foundation that we ended up raising quite a bit of money for, um, which is an amazing, amazing charity um, that uh, basically uh, uses their money um, to grant doctors studies that uh, 
grant money for because it's not a mainstream idea. Um, and they've been super successful over the last three, four years on um, developing really good studies and then recognizing those studies and getting grant money uh, given to them from big, bigger organizations once their main, once their ID idea becomes mainstream. And it's been a real, really cool uh, fight on childhood cancer. So it's something I've been involved in for a couple of years and uh, a couple of the writers have been and we do a lot of charity stuff with them. Uh, and so we got them involved as well. And it, it was really cool. And, you know, across the country, uh, we would meet uh, volunteers of the charity and occasionally meet a child. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. And the Beamer Group, I can't thank them enough um, with their sponsorship and the amount of support. Um, a lot of their sales reps across the United States their independent distributor, um, we would go into towns and there'd be 10, 20, 30, 40 of them and they'd be giving us food. And I mean, their support was unreal. And of course, Junk Jam, another major sponsor, uh, Chamois Cream that, you know, I'm the, I'm the founder of, um, amazing stuff, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, that's been, that's been a really, uh, fun, fun, fun deal for me because I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little guy with probably in my opinion, the best, the best chamois cream on the market. Um, just because of the way I developed it as a cyclist for cyclists, um, you know, it'll last six hours on the longest rides. Um, it's completely natural. There's no chemicals that are going to cause any cancers or, you know, anything like that. And, uh, no saddle sores. And even if you have a saddle sore and then you start applying it, it'll heal the saddle sore while you're riding. And I, that there's nothing heals saddle sores when you ride, but I have constantly people telling me how great the product is. And we've entered the Ironman, uh, side of things too, because, um, they use it around their necks for chafing on their wetsuits. They use it, uh, anywhere for running. They put it in their socks for their toes, the no blistering, so it's pretty funny before events, you know, I see people like just lathering up with the junk jam and all over their body. And it's great. I've had actually people tell me like, you need to put sunscreen in this stuff. And I think, I think it would be like the go-to product for everything. And I just laugh, you know, and it's, and the good thing is it's completely like you can eat it. It's edible. You know, it's not going to hurt you. It lasts a really, really long time. Um, you know, most chamois creams, you put them on an hour later, you're like, where'd it go? It's gone. Like it's completely, you know, water soluble and disappeared on me. And that's not junk jam. So for all you listening, please try it out. You can go to junkjam.com. Yeah. I'll include a link and I testimonial personally use it. It's, it's great stuff. And, uh, yeah, count me in for warm front sponsorship next year. I'll hook you guys up. So if if that'll, I don't know how cold you're going to be in the summer, but if, you know, I can help you out, count me in. Cool. Awesome. So what's the the biggest, um, you know, going to saddle sores, like uh, apart from just tired legs, is what's the biggest challenge you face with your body 
going uh, for ra- for ram um you know what it's it, it and it's different for each rider and you try to prepare the riders like um you know you're spinning and people don't realize it but we're spending about 90 percent of our time on tt bikes so when you're spending that amount of time on your tt bike over five days you know your neck is the first to start to affect so you want to constantly like do, you know, neck stretching and making sure you're staying on top of it. Um, just sore legs, you know, making sure you're rubbing out your legs. Um, you're using, you know, all the riders use topical edge, which is another great product to uh, bicarbonate approach to, you know, lessening the lactic acid and helping recovery, uh, the Beamer mat recovering, um, and just stay really, you know, staying on top of the junk jam, making sure you, you're reapplying after about six hours. So you're not getting any chafing of any type, um, because you're spending so much time on your saddle. Um, and just taking care of anything, you know, as far as you're spending so much time on your bike that, you know, uh, elbows and wrists and, you know, shoulders, just trying to stay loose and, and stretch a little bit. So you're just not getting all wadded up, you know, and cramped up and anything else. Um, you know, and for the, for, you know, it's different, you know, obviously for the eight man, we're not on our bikes as much as we are for the four man, two man, and then the singles, you know, the guys who are doing the singles, it, I mean, geez, it's crazy. You know, I, I passed two guys personally this year, we passed them, um, and they're wearing neck braces, you know, I mean, that's how intense it gets to where they cannot even hold their neck up any longer, um, because they're just trying to just look forward, look forward. And so they use neck braces. I've seen guys duct tape a ruler to their chest and a ruler, you know, the one, one part of the ruler, it runs up their back and it's duct taped to their forehead and it's duct taped to their chest. And it's just keeping their, just keeping their head up. It's crazy. That's insane. (laughs) You know, but you do have to stay, you have to stay on top of it because something as small as a saddle sore, Man, if you're not focusing on going as hard as you can go um, and you're focused on the saddle sore, uh, it's just, it's awful. It's awful. You do, do not perform at your best. And, and Jail Velo Clothing, you know, they, they supplied all of our clothing and they have for years Monster Media, uh, supplied Monster Media Racing with the clothing. And their whole uh, company mission statement is simply, put if if you are if your mind is focused on a thread or a discomfort a rubbing of something and it's our clothes then it's not focused on winning that race and we'll fix it you know they want the clothes they they look at their clothes as a piece of equipment as a high performance piece of equipment and that's a very unique approach Mm mm-hmm you know, I can personally so. test. They're a great company. They they do the sublimation for the warm front collars, and they were. I've talked to a lot of companies about um, helping out, and they just asked a few questions and just got it. They're the men. They've been instrumental in my growth and success too, because they just 
<clears throat> they don't need my business. I, I would love to make it lucrative for them, but they I just can't think enough uh, for what they do for me. And just like, this is all you need. And this is what you're doing. It's like, cool. We'll help you out. And it, it's just been phenomenal. And they're just, they're total pros. They're awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, they, they truly are. And they're, they're really, really cool. It's, uh, cool people too. Great sponsorship, great people, uh, super involved in the community. They're just awesome. You know, but, uh, you got anything else for me? I mean, uh, no, I mean, there's a whole other topic of conversation that, you know, when we were out to see auto that I want to talk about, but we'll save that for episode two and, okay. um, just awesome. your fascinating dude and, and a good friend, man. You've just been an awesome guy for me. And, uh, well, I appreciate, uh, you know, everything that you've done and, and obviously you're, um, an amazing person too. And oh, thanks uh, man. You know, hang out. I'd, I'd wear your jeans anytime. <laughs> <laughs> you have to share with people what that means at a later time. <laughs> I will, but, uh, uh, I'll post awesome, that. Man. I, I appreciate the, uh, the time and, uh, letting me share my experience with, uh, your community of listeners. Uh, you know, I'm always a uh, game to spend as much time as possible. Uh, growing our sport one rider at a time. Yeah. And you've been great about that. And I'll, I'll include a link to all the, the writers, the crew, the sponsors when I post this and okay. um, where can people find more about monster media or junk gym? So monster media racing is simply that monstermediaracing.com and junk jam, uh, my website, uh, www.junkjam.com. And, uh, I would love for you to try the product. Uh, I guarantee you, you will absolutely love it on any chafing whatsoever, even hiking, mountain climbing, running, cycling, uh, any chafing at all. It is hands down the best product out there in the United States for sure. I would, I would totally agree. Awesome. Chris DeMarkey. Thank you so much, dude. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. 